0: Hello waffle lovers and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle here on 365SportsCast.com I'm your host Mark Domeyer coming to you as always from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota We're focused on football, football, football this week with the Golden Gophers, some local high school football and looking ahead toward the Minnesota Vikings We also have some twins even as they're fading out of sight Glad you've decided to tune in and listen to us talk about Minnesota sports here. Welcome to those of you who tune in each and every Wednesday, and welcome especially to those of you checking things out for the first time. I hope you'll enjoy it and want to come back for more. Sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for another helping of waffles, syrup optional. If you are interested, before we get to our interview in the possibility of sponsoring this program, I invite you to email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or you can message me on Twitter, at MrD1973. I appreciate all the sponsors I've had so far. look forward to perhaps meeting some more of you that help support this program and keeping it up and running. This week for my interview, I talked to Tony Liebert, He contributes to Gopher Hole, and we're going to talk Golden Gopher football preview. Here we go. Joining the program this week at 365sportscast.com, I've got Tony Liebert. He uh, does a lot of things that have to do with the Golden Gophers of the University of Minnesota. He contributes to Gopher Hole. He's a sports editor at Minnesota Daily News, and he's got a podcast uh, at Believe Network, B-L-E-A-V, so some things you can check out afterwards. Uh Tony, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me. Nice yeah. to be
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a little preview. Um uh as this show is airing for the first time we're going to be a day away from the Gophers home opener and everybody's excited about football season. Uh since the twins are sort of backpedaling these days, uh it might be time to talk football. So let's start here um can there be some magic this year with these guys who have been here longer than four years now? It seems like guys like Tanner Morgan have been around forever.
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the theme coming into the season. you got got uh, so so many familiar faces on the offensive side of the ball with Tanner Morgan, Mo Ibrahim, uh, Chris Offendell. And I, I think, uh, obviously... What needs to happen with this team is they just need to find the success that all these guys had in 2019 the last year they were able to uh compete for a big 10 west title with kirk shiraka as offensive coordinator and it's just all about finding that level of play they had that season this season and it's all about uh kirk shiraka finding that
0: rhythm that he had with tanner morgan in 2019. and you mentioned he 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 was gone now he's come back and is that pj fleck saying this could be the missing piece is is my coordinator
1: yeah um i think what makes uh especially college football what makes coaches great in college football is surrounding themselves with coordinators that are great football coaches we see it with alabama and they're replacing their offensive coordinator it seems like every two years but Uh, with Lane Kiffin, uh, now Bill O'Brien, just a lot of big names there. And I think P.J. Flex starting to realize that uh, the Gophers are going to be as far as almost his whole coaching staff takes him rather than him himself. And with with Joe Rossi on the defensive end already as one of the best defensive coordinators in the country in my eyes, I think uh, bringing back Kirk Scirocco, a guy that's shown he can produce a top-level college
0: offense is only going to help this program in 2022 yeah and you know no matter if it's sports or anywhere great leaders find the people who do great work for them and that's why they're great exactly. leaders yeah so tanner morgan uh is he a great quarterback or is he just kind of average you know is his past success and we can reference 2019 especially due to the great talent that was around him we take like a rashad bateman uh, but, but you had mentioned Chris Ottman-Bell, too, who certainly showed some signs. But but where does Tanner Morgan lie by the time he's done here, you know, in University of Minnesota lore?
1: That's a great question. Uh, last year he uh, became the all-time winningest quarterback at the program, and I think a lot of people would not say he's been the best quarterback in the program's history. So that's definitely would... Support the argument that it's more the talent around him rather than him. Um, But I think a lot of Gophers fans, especially, uh, the Gophers went through a five to ten year stretch where uh, six and six and a a mediocre bowl game was a good season.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Very quickly, uh, I feel like Gophers fans in general have raised their expectations very high. And uh, a lot of them. Are starting to think it's almost uh, Big Ten West title or bust. Um, that could also just be the loud minority in my Twitter mentions. But uh, <laughs> I, I think um, I think Terrell Morgan gets a little more hate than he deserves sometimes. Um, it, the system in the past two years under Mike Sanford Jr. certainly did not help him. Right. Um, I, he's the type of quarterback that I would hope that he would admit it that he he doesn't have the the physical tools that jump off the page but he he does have uh very above average decision making skills and when he's put in a uh, situation to succeed like we saw in 2019 he knows what to do and not all quarterbacks can do that so I think with Kirk Strzokka back at the helm we're going to see a better Tanner Morgan in 2022 I think the last two years were kind of the about as bad as he could be. I don't think he really could have, could be much worse. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you I know, think we're only going to see better things this year. Well,
0: I hope you're right. You know, after 2019, people were talking about his NFL potential, and that talk has certainly died down. Do you think there's a place for him at the next level? I mean, he, he's not going to necessarily be a Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady, but could he play in the NFL and be a serviceable quarterback?
1: Yeah, well, he seems like a guy that everyone in the locker room likes, which certainly uh, will help when you're when you're at least going to be a quarterback fighting for depth at that position in the next level. I think everyone would admit he might not be a top-30 quarterback in the NFL. He might start a few games in his career. But uh, I, I think that 2019 season, he showed his potential. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if he wants any uh, even chance of, Making an NFL roster, it needs to be much improved this season. Right, but if he uh, refines that 2019 success, I, I think there is there is a, a role for him in the NFL. I, I certainly don't believe it would be a long time starting option, but there are a lot of uh, backup quarterbacks that. A guy like uh, Chase Daniel, who's bounced around the league, seems like he's been on every team in the league, <laughs> he, he doesn't really start many games, but he's a guy that everyone likes in the locker room, and uh, sometimes that's all you need to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, so uh, that I, I would say there definitely could be a role for him at the next level. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, that's what's kept Sean Mannion in a Vikings uniform, and perhaps by, exactly. the, by the time we... We air this uh, interview. He might not be on the Vikings roster anymore, but uh, you know, because he's a he's a locker room guy. People respect him, so um, we'll hope the best for Tanner Morgan. Um, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned Ibrahim as well, back at, at running back. It, to your knowledge, is he full speed? Is he fully recovered from all this? Uh, ready yeah. to go?
1: Yeah. Um. So definitely, the, uh, P.J. Fleck has said that multiple times that both him and Trey Potts in the backfield are. Uh, fully recovered from their pretty serious injuries they had last season right and the few practices that i've uh, attended for the gophers this off season and now in the in the full full practice period um i, I i'm impressed with how explosive both of them look specifically mo um, obviously they're not going at full speed 100 percent of the time so you don't know how he's gonna look full contact under the bright lights uh, in that big game, again, it's, it's a different ball game when, when uh, you got uh, an opposing team you never went up against going up against you, but uh, I've definitely, at least at practice, it looks like he's the same explosive ball, I would say.
0: Good, good. If, I mean, is there depth? Because the Gophers have kind of gotten by on some good running back depth, you know, when they've had these injuries. Is that depth again present this year if there are some injuries to Ibrahim or anybody else?
1: Yeah, so I would honestly probably say that uh, running back is one of their more shallow positions. But At the top, uh, Mo Ibrahim and Trey Potts together, I think, are going to be, even both of them recovering from pretty serious injuries, that's going to be one of the best uh, running back duos in the conference, if if not the country. Uh, Two very talented players that I think uh, both will probably have a role at the next level in the NFL. Uh, But behind them, it's, definitely prop definitely the uh the most shallow running back room i think the gophers have had under pj fleck uh bryce williams a veteran guy probably would be third on the depth chart got some run last year uh when Moe ibrahim went down and he showed to be very productive he's a great veteran player um and he can add depth in that room but behind that um, true freshman Zach Evans looked really good in the Gophers spring game um, when Potts and Ibrahim were still recovering um, so he might have a bright uh, bright career down the road uh, I, but I don't know how much the Gophers are going to trust him as only a teenager in his true freshman season but, yeah. you know, uh, and then behind that it's really a lot of uh, a mixed bag of uh, former, former walk-ons, former guys who have changed positions so uh, definitely not the deepest position that the go-throughs have had, but at, at the top I don't think there's
0: many teams that can compete with them, even in the entire country. Right. And, and that, it's so important because if you have that strong running game that will make Tanner Morgan in the passing game that much better because you have to respect both. 100%. Yeah. We've got uh, Tony Liebert with us here on Whatever Flips Your Waffle. He contributes to Gopher Hole. He's got a podcast at Believe Network, uh, things you'll want to check out. We're talking Golden Gopher football after a summer of lots of baseball and some sporadic Vikings things. Uh, we're, we're full on here. It's exciting. Uh, and really, you know, the Gophers will play Two football games before the Vikings ever stepped foot on US Bank Stadium Field. So, um, time to get invested and interested in these guys. Uh, you know, the, the offensive line kind of needs to reload. They've been such a strength. Um, can that happen quickly? Is it going to be one of those where, you know, hopefully these three non conference games kind of build them and mesh them before we hit the Big Ten schedule?
1: Yeah, you mentioned the non conference schedule. I think it's definitely. Uh Definitely benefits the Gophers in uh, developing and figuring out their team in situations like their offensive line. Uh, We all know last year that was probably the strength of their whole team, and uh, now they're replacing four starters. Uh, It is great, though, that they do return John Michael Schmitz at center, who might be one of the best at his position in the whole country. Uh, He was named uh, preseason second-team All-American earlier this week. Uh, which means he's at least a top two center in the country, which definitely will help the Gophers out in the line. Yep. But he, he's the only returning starter, so he's going to have to definitely mesh with the rest of the guys that are uh, taking over. Um, I think the Gophers certainly have talent in that area uh, to, be, uh, to be serviceable up front. I don't know if they're going to be able to have the same dominance and rely on their offensive line as much as they did last year, but uh, like a few names at left tackle uh, Ari- Ariante Ursary uh, is a guy that I know the Gophers are really high on. They think he might even have uh, potential to play at the next level. A very talented uh, athletic uh, big guy at left tackle. He certainly has looked the part in practice. Um, and then on the inside you have uh, Chuck Villiaga, uh transfer from Michigan, who has starting experience in the Big Ten, uh, probably going to be one of those guys the Gophers can definitely rely on early in the year to uh, be productive. And then you have Axel Rushmeyer, who's was kind of been the Gophers' like swing sixth offensive lineman, fullback type of guy uh, last year in the past few years. So he's definitely had experience playing at the Big Ten level. And then the other tackle position, I think, is the only position that's really. Um, up through discussion right now, who's going to start there? Um, I I think most Minnesota sports fans recognize the name Quinn Carroll. Um, in 2019, his high school graduating uh, year, he was uh, the highest ranked recruit in Minnesota, one of the highest in the country.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then he he's from Medina High School, and then he committed to Notre Dame, and he kind of struggled to find the field there. He uh, suffered, I think, a knee injury one of his first years, and then he kind of struggled to get back into a rhythm. Um, and then he's now he's coming back to the Gophers, and he transferred here in the off season. Um, in practice, it, it he definitely is getting better every practice that I've seen, and I think the Gophers are trusting him more every practice that I've seen. But uh, him and uh, Martez Lewis is another guy who's been in the program for a while. Um, I think both of them are going to see time early in the year at that right tackle spot. I think P.J. Fleckish uh, even stated that he wouldn't mind doing more of a rotation style, and he's kind of done that uh, in the past with his offensive line, so I could see that happening. Um, But overall as a unit, they definitely have the talent. It's all about meshing together, and sometimes that's the toughest thing with offensive linemen. Um, Being a Vikings fan the past few years, their offensive line seems to never... Uh, it hasn't been able to mesh together in a long time. Right. It seems like they have always taken an offensive lineman with a high draft pick, and it really doesn't do anything. So it's really up to uh, the offensive line coach, Brian Callahan, and P.J. Fleck and his whole staff, and really those five, six guys as a whole to mesh together as a group. And I think they definitely have the chance to do so.
0: So the, the Gophers really have the opposite of the Vikings, where the Gophers have strength at center and the Vikings could use a center. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> and work around there too so uh, let's switch over to the defense now you know last year top 10 in the nation we got six starters back but again you know the defensive line um, could show some signs of difficulty the secondary seems pretty good um, but but maybe that D line um, needs a new influx of talent this year
1: yeah I think the defense is what uh, what should excite Gophers fans about this team um, I think I'm impressed with the level of depth they have at every position. Um, starting with the defensive line, it might be a lot of new names. Uh, two Gophers fans, guys that really haven't contributed much in the past. But they can really go 11, 12 guys deep up front. Uh-huh. And I think uh, they might be pretty confident with with at least 11 of those guys. Um, I think the uh, names you'll hear most on the outside are uh, Thomas Rush, a guy who's played for a while. Uh, been a productive player with the Gophers he might be asked to get a uh, to step up in a leadership role this year on that defensive line uh, but I, I think he certainly can and then uh, you have Danny Strigow who's a guy who's really stood out in practice on the outside uh, Jalen Logan Redding another very talented uh, athletic pass rusher um, and then Job Joyner is the guy who came in, uh, came on at the end of last season. A young, talented player who could have a big role. And then um, Vanderbilt transfer Lorenzo Serger's is a guy who's came in, and he's looked really good in in uh, practice and camp. Um, but those are the most guys on; those are the guys on the end that you're probably going to hear most. And on the interior, uh, the probably the strength of the whole Gophers defensive line will be defensive tackle Trill Carter. Who probably has the uh, highest ceiling on the Gophers defensive line? I think he could legit- legitimately be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft whenever he decides to uh, to go that route. Wow! Uh, and then behind him, you have uh, Houston Baptist transfer Kyler Ba, who's been who's been really impressive the last few practices. Um, he was a late transfer addition. Uh, kind of at the end of the spring period. And then uh, behind him, you have uh, Devin Eastern, Shakopee kid who really, uh, really grown into his body and looks looks the part during practice. And then you have uh, Clemson transfer, uh, Darnell Jeffries, a veteran player who has played at the highest level, um, definitely going to help those young guys develop. And then uh, another name to watch out for is even uh, Logan Richter on, on the interior, uh, one of the most intimidating players on the Gophers football team, very uh, very strong looking young player, and uh, he came on at the end of last year too, so maybe he has a role too, but a lot of different names yeah. for the defensive line, um, might see a lot of different people that might not have the top level strength like the... For example, like the running back position for the Gophers has that top-level talent, but might not have the depth. Right. The the defensive line, I feel like, might not have that top-level talent, but it certainly has the depth to throw a lot of bodies, which is sometimes really good because uh, sometimes defenses like to do that and not rely on the same defensive linemen and they can just keep rolling them out there throughout the
0: game. Well, yeah, and then, you know, you're fresh in, in third and fourth quarter, you know, these guys, and if somebody's just playing a little bit better that day, it's just easier to keep them in there in the crucial situations. Um, when you have that depth, you can do that. Otherwise, they get worn out, especially when you get the Big Ten play. Definitely. Yeah, and, and again, the secondary is is pretty stalwart, too. It's going to be tough to uh, to get rack up the passing guards against this team.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'd say that I think the secondary, how last season the offensive line was the strength of this football team, I think the secondary will be the strength this season. Um, In the Big Ten Conference, it's a little, uh, not going to face many teams that pass the ball a lot on our schedule this season. Um, No Ohio State in week one, and it's not like Iowa and Wisconsin are going to be uh, throwing the ball around the yard in uh, in late December, but uh, or late November. But uh, I think at cornerback, there's uh, Justin Wally, who was one of the Gophers' best uh, true freshman players in recent memory last year, uh, really showed that he can play at the Big Ten level, and he's only going to get better. Um, I think he might have the highest potential, really, anyone on this Gophers football team. I think he could really... Uh, be a big time player, uh, almost like first team All American potential. But wow. uh, outside of him, the Gophers brought in a pair of transfer cornerbacks uh, Ryan Stack from Abilene Christian, um, school that Jack Gibbons came from last year, a big linebacker for the Gophers in 2021. Uh, but Stack will try to uh, kind of keep that pipeline going this year. And then you have uh, be- Beanie Bishop from Western Kentucky. Uh, another, another very talented cornerback, and I think the best performer um, this uh, late summer at Gophers camp has been Terrell Smith, uh, outside cornerback. has really, really looked like he has improved dramatically. Uh, he, he's always had a role with this Gophers team the last one, two, three years, but uh, he's really taken that next step, and I think he's kind of uh, become the leader of the secondary or at least the cornerback position, um, and th- I mean those four names are going to be the cornerbacks the go first year about the most. And then in the in the back end, in uh, for safeties, uh, Tyler Newbin and Jordan Houghton are two guys that uh, almost played every snap at that position last year. Uh, Tyler Newbin, another one of those, definitely going to be a leader on the Gophers defense. Um, very high potential, uh, great. Uh, tackling safety, great covering safety, just an all-around guy at that position. And then another talk of the training camp has been um, kind of linebacker, nickel, safety, hybrid, Michael Dixon. Um, Very, uh, I I said Trill Carter might be one of the most, or I I forgot who I said was one of the most physically imposing players on the team, but I I think Michael Dixon might be number one. Uh, He certainly looks the part just absolutely shredded, uh, 6'2", uh, 220, and uh, a safety that's that big and can move as well as he does is going to find the field. Uh, right. The go have a lot of depth at just safety and cornerback, and uh, but Michael Dixon is kind of going to be that hybrid piece that Joe Rossi can move around in the secondary that I think is going to almost help this defense take another step forward forward from last year, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, it's nice when you have that flexibility, too, and it gives you a lot of options um, depending on the personnel you want to put out there. We've got uh, got Tony Liebert with us. You can check out his uh, material um, at Gopher Hole and the Minnesota Daily News and um, on Believe Network with a podcast, too. Uh, An area teams don't talk about much, unless you're a Vikings fan, is special teams. Is that shaping up to at least be solid and consistent for the Gophers this year?
1: Yeah, so actually my podcast on the Believe Network, I uh, just recently started co-hosting it with uh, Matthew Trickett, the kicker on the Gophers. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the, the NIL deals, it kind of presented him with that opportunity to uh, be able to do something like this which is always cool, but uh, so I, I've gotten to know him a little bit better over the last few weeks, and uh, I, I think you would admit last year at the c- kicking position there were a few games where he was inconsistent. But uh, if you go back to at least maybe uh, Ryan Santoso was a name that was consistent for the Gophers at kicker. Uh, I, I think Matthew Trickett, you are confident with him 45-40 and in, which is sometimes all you all you need yeah. from a kicker. Um, like 40 and out, it might be a little... Uh, little tricky he's not the most uh physically gifted power kicker but uh sometimes all you need is that 40 and in and so i think that's going to be uh, a good weapon for the gophers this year and then uh their their punters are really interesting uh interesting character uh mark crawford a uh, guy from australia I, i'm pretty sure he's 26 27 years old oh um, he did one of those uh, kind of become common in college football where they they go to that uh, the programs go to that punting academy and kind of pick out punchers that they want to come pick oh, right. kick for their program. Um, uh, but I, I've talked to him before; super interesting guy, and uh, uh, one of the more interesting guys on the Gophers team. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think the special teams. Uh. T- kind of the most stable it's been in the past few years, returning two guys that contributed last year, so sometimes that's all you need.
0: Right, right. Well, and it's, you know, sometimes you, you your season kind of hinges on a key kick here or there, too, so have to check out that uh, with with Trickett on your podcast. That's, oh, I, those guys are, are interesting. The kickers, you know, they've got a different mindset than some of your other <laughs> football players, that's for sure.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh opener, New Mexico State comes to town. Former coach Jerry Kill. Boy, there's, you can write story after story about this. He's not a big P.J. Fleck fan.
1: Yes, that—that that is for sure. <laughs> uh, he's made that uh, well known and clear. Uh, but for a game against uh, New Mexico State that's been one of the worst Division I uh, football programs, kind of in recent memory, certainly a lot of storylines going into week one uh, a game that the Gophers are 37 38 point favorites uh, it definitely still a lot of injury right. uh, yeah I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting game uh, we know how PJ Pluckett struggled against those lower level non-conference opponents <laughs> as a Gophers head coach and I think him and the Gophers and even Jerry Kill I think everyone's going to be motivated to put on a big game so it's
0: definitely going to be interesting in week one. Well, it's ex- I mean, we talked about the non-conference schedule a little bit earlier. And, and you know, these are games that, that you should be 3 all, You should be. And, of course, b- Bowling Green happens sometimes. But um, th- th- that's the hope. You go out there, and, and, and Kill's going to have his team motivated. We know what he did when he was here in Minnesota. and He did a fine job. Um, but those guys are going to come out playing for him. Uh, you can't just walk out in the field and say, uh, we're going to take care of business just like that.
1: Yeah, uh, and I always tell people this, too. If you look back at that 2019 season, uh, the Gophers played... Uh, I forget which order it was in, but they played South Dakota State, Fresno State, and then I believe uh, either Georgia State or Georgia Southern. But uh, all three of those games were one-score games. Yeah. And then the Gophers went on to have their, their best season in, in 40 years. So uh, I, I definitely say especially this year, how the Gophers' schedule plays out with New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and then Colorado. Three games that they will be favored to win all at home, probably by pretty big uh, numbers. It definitely, I think, is going to help this team kind of find itself. And by the time we get to the end of the season, when the Gophers are playing Iowa and Wisconsin, we're going to know what this Gophers team is and who who they're made about. Uh, compared to last year, when you opened the year with Ohio State, and the team that we saw in Week One was definitely—I don't think it was even the team we saw in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl against West Virginia. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think the Gophers have a pretty favorable schedule this year.
0: You had talked about earlier, um, and I had this on my list of questions here too. You know, this—can we can we finally win the Big Ten West? Can we play in the Big Ten Championship game? And it certainly seems um, everywhere you look. It's Iowa, it's Wisconsin, it's Minnesota. You know, those are the three teams. Depending on where you're reading, um, one of those three teams is going to win the Big Ten West. Uh, The Gopher schedule helps them, right? No Ohio State, no Michigan. Um, Iowa and Wisconsin, I forget what one of them plays one of those and one of them plays both of them. That could play in our favor.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, like I mentioned, that non-conference schedule—it's—it would be a problem if the Gophers started anything less than three uh, zero. But then in that Week Four game, you—they travel to East Lansing to take on a uh, Michigan State team that will probably be ranked in the top twenty at that point. Uh, talented team, um, that—that's going to be a challenging game for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kinda, kind of kind of either jumpstart their season or make it a little slower of a build up into those last two games against Iowa-Wisconsin. and uh, But then mixed in there, you have uh, uh, trap games against Purdue and Nebraska, but they get Purdue at home this year, which definitely is a positive. Yep. But They have to go to uh, Lincoln-Nebraska, a team that's definitely going to be motivated to play for their head coach, Scott Ross, who's probably back against the wall. A lot of a lot of Gophers fans like to say a lot about Nebraska, but I, <laughs> they're a talented team, and they're definitely going to be a tricky game. Uh, but uh, fixed in there, you got uh, – I, I forget the order sometimes, but then you got uh, the home game against uh, Northwestern, uh, go to Illinois, home game against Rutgers, uh, to Maryland, I believe. Uh, and then I think really the season's going to come down to those uh, last two weeks against – Iowa and Wisconsin, right. um, and, and I forgot about uh, Penn State in there. We traveled to oh, Penn yeah. State, which will be a big-time game, Yep. Um, and it, I believe it will be their whiteout game, so it's going to be a big game under the lights, um, and that's going to kind of be that last big test before they get to Iowa and Wisconsin, but having Iowa at home, is a uh, major, major positive for this team. <laughs> it's kind of the, the uh, monkey that P.J. Fleck has not been able to get off his back yet. Yes. Kind of that last thing he needs. Uh, that and a trip to the Big Ten Championship game. And I think if he gets past Iowa, he might be able to uh, mark both those off his checklist in, in one season. Um, I, I think, if I, if I had to guess right now, I think the Big Ten West is going to come down to that game. Uh, It obviously... I'm a little lower on Wisconsin than most. Um, they had to replace a lot of guys on their defense, um, but we all know Wisconsin's a consistent program, yep. so you never can overlook them. But uh, I think the Big Ten West might even be wrapped up before last week of the year. We go to wow. Wisconsin. Wow. In my opinion, I think it's going to come down between Minnesota and Iowa. So that okay. game I'm going to decide a lot. Well, I,
0: you know, I the way I, what I love about the Gopher schedule every year is it's you can count on Iowa and Wisconsin at the end, and to me that's the way it should be. Those are your biggest rivals, and currently that's who you compete with. And, and to play the most important games at the end of the season, that's, that's right there. I mean, last year there was so much excitement. If we could only get Floyd or Rosedale back here, um, we, we'd be in good shape. Uh, the Vegas line is 7.5 wins for this Gopher team. I'm guessing you're on the over on that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would definitely uh, lean on the over. Um, I think my preseason prediction was nine and three. Um, I personally think the Gophers are definitely going to lose to either Michigan State or Penn State on the road. Those are two teams that are going to flirt with the rankings uh, all season. Two very top twenty-five caliber teams, and I think it would be it would definitely be very impressive if they got by both. But they'll definitely lose one of those games. And uh, uh, knowing the Gophers and knowing Minnesota sports, (laughs) I'd probably uh, throw uh, one of those in the middle to a Purdue, uh, Nebraska, Northwestern that I think they're going to lose. And then I think they're going to lose to either one of Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, I personally think they have a great chance to beat both. Um, But so if I had to guess, I think 9-3 is almost a – I think it's – Very likely, and I I honestly was more shocked that the Gophers weren't at 8.5 instead of 7.5 because uh, I think eight wins is almost their floor. I I would be very shocked if they got lower than that, Uh, but my guess is a 9-3 and season.
0: Okay, so you're saying I should take all my retirement funds, go out to (laughs) Vegas. (laughs) Maybe not because it's Minnesota sports, we know how it goes. I was thinking when you mentioned Nebraska, uh, those of us who are old enough uh, really like to take it to Nebraska because we we remember when they were very good and they'd come to Minnesota, and just destroy us in the Metrodome. It was uh, I was at one of those games and it was 55 to nothing or something. It was it was horrible to watch. But um, yeah, we're, I,
1: we're, I was just talking to uh, Pete Nasherian, who was a former linebacker for the Gophers, and he was he was talking about that game that I I think they they scored two or three touchdowns every quarter, and it was yeah. like 68-3 to
0: three or something. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was, yeah, those were the ugly days, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. We've got Tony Lieber with us, contributor to Gopher Hole. He's got a podcast at Believe Network. Uh, some good stuff here. We're talking Golden Gopher football. Uh, I was reading a story I found it interesting, you know, we, we, we kind of expect a lot out of the golfers, but it sure seems like it's hard to fill the seats in Huntington Bank Stadium, and I have to keep, keep telling myself, Huntington Bank Stadium, not TCF. Um, yeah. There There's a promotion, and by the time our listeners hear this, it'll be done with, but if you bought three Red Baron pizzas, you could get a free ticket to either one of the first two home games. Well, what's going on here? When are we going to get to the point where people are going to show up and watch this Gopher team consistently?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I'm still a student at the University of Minnesota. I'm going into my senior year. So uh, I, from my point of view, really at all of Gopher sports, uh, the student section has been, especially last year, was pretty impressive, I think, uh, that the student turnout I don't think is a massive problem. I think a lot of kids want to go to these games. Uh could have been because of uh, COVID and they felt like they were missing out last year. But right. Uh, I what I agree with you. There, the as for the rest of the stadium, there's a lot of empty seats at these basketball, football, men's hockey games. All uh, there's I haven't seen a many complete sellouts. I know that week one Ohio State game was pretty full. Um, a few basketball games were pretty full last year, but uh, there's just I I, I don't know what, what about it. I I feel it. The Gophers are such an interesting program because they are the only major Division One university in the state. Uh, in most states, that isn't the case. Right. Um, and so it's weird because there's a lot of golfers fans. There's a lot of people who grow up Gophers fans. And uh, they're winning games. They're a cool football team. You have P.J. Fleck. Uh, they kind of play with the swagger. Uh, not the same... Like Jerry Hill was winning games by the end of his career, but it was kind of the the like Big Ten like grind it down with with PJ Flex. There's a little more excitement with the program, so I don't really have an answer for you why. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, maybe maybe a Big Ten West title and uh, win over Iowa will do will do it for for golfers fans, but uh, I I don't know.
0: Let's hope so. Uh, can can PJ Flex? I call it his shtick. You know the rah rah, the roll the boat, all that. Can that last? Is that is that a you know something that that's going to continue to resonate with these players, um, so you can keep building this program and stay here long term?
1: Yeah, uh, so I, I have this conversation a lot with my my eighty uh, year old grandpa, who's uh, he's obviously <laughs> seen a lot more golfers football than me. Right,
0: he saw him play uh, in the last Rose Bowl. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> uh, he he's seen the program uh, compete at a level that I. Definitely have not. Uh, but um, P.J. Flex interesting because in my eyes, uh, there's I, I think there's three or four like big pillars for a college football coach to be successful. Um, there's recruiting. Um, there's on the field coaching, and then uh, there's building your roster. And uh, especially now with the uh, with the transfer portal and all this stuff there's so much more roster movement than b- before yes. so it's almost like you have to be uh, GM on top of being a recruiter <laughs> and, uh, and PJ Fleck definitely has the recruiting down I think his whole shtick is going to help recruiting um, he surrounds himself with very good uh, social media people because um, especially today's day and age a lot of kids that's what they see on Instagram. They see right. recruits go on on visits to the Gophers, and they're taking all these pictures and their fancy uniforms and uh, fancy merch and all this stuff, and they're taking this 360, uh, 360 video picture thing. And I, I think PJ Flex got all that down. He, he understands the modern landscape of college football. Um, as, as it continues to develop with NIL and stuff, there's going to be more stuff that you and I don't even know is going to happen, but uh, I, I think off the field PFLEX stick helps all of that. Okay. I think uh, today's day and age, those are things that kids like, and I, I, I'll admit, I don't think I, if I was a, a big-time D1 recruit, I don't know if I would buy into it, but I think there are a lot of kids that do buy into it, yeah. and it makes for a program with a lot of players that you're either bought in or you're not. There's not many guys in the middle. Like, there's not many guys that are like, oh, like this was my only D1 offer. Yeah, uh, right, right. Like, oh, I'm just playing here, so I'm in the Big Ten. I think I, almost all those guys on that team, uh, at least 90% of them are like, I love P.J. Fleck. I want to play for P.J. Fleck. I want to go to war for P.J. Fleck. And I, that makes for a, a program with a lot of culture, and I think that's what really helps win in 2022.
0: Yeah. And my goal is always that, and, you know, you mentioned Wisconsin earlier. I would love to be at a point where we are like Wisconsin, where you just count on them every year to be consistent. Every year they're going to they're gonna flirt with 9, 10, 11 wins because they've not built not. that culture.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's the most. Frustrating part for me as a Gophers fan growing up, like I, I, like I'm realistic, and I think most Gophers fans are realistic that uh, we're not going to be Ohio State or Michigan. But uh, when you see your team like Wisconsin that has the same resources, same locations, uh, Gophers even have a better history, and mm. I think most Minnesota fans would like to argue that Minnesota is a cooler state than Wisconsin. Of course. So course, yeah. uh, it it's just, there's no reason why the Gophers can't be that level of a program. So I, I agree with you that that's very realistic hopes and expectations for any Gophers fan.
0: Yeah. Uh, when UCLA and USC arrive, how's that going to, I mean, there's a lot of discussion. Nobody knows anything. But um, I had one person say, hey, we finally get to play in the Rose Bowl again. You know, it might be oh, September yeah. or October, but um, it's certainly going to be a different look for the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um I think the biggest the uh the biggest uh thing from them joining the conference that is going to be odd uh, not necessarily even the geography of it all because these college programs are so massive and there's such a big business now that the travel's not going to be an issue. It might be a, a few longer days, longer nights, but uh, like that—that's not going to be an issue. I think the timing of kickoffs and yeah. uh, games in basketball, really any of these sports, are, is going to be what's weird. Because, uh, like the the Big Ten, I think what they're looking at is they obviously now get that whole West Coast market of people that are going to be interested in the conference. Not many West Coast guys are interested in college football, but uh, in their eyes, they probably thought that. And it probably got them a bigger TV deal, but uh, and now there there's going to be a Big Ten game at 11 a.m., 2:30 uh, p.m., <laughs> 6 p.m., and then you're probably going to even see a late night kickoff at 9 p.m. Right, right. And uh, it it makes for an interesting uh, dynamic with the conference. Um, I I think. Uh, It was important for the Big Ten to do that because it looks like that's where college football is going, that there's going to be just a few mega conferences, two or three maybe, and uh, USC and UCLA are two big brands, even though they might have not had too much success recently in football. um, Definitely good for the conference, and it seems like the Big Ten's not done. I know uh, Kevin Warren mentioned uh, 20 as a possible number to target for total teams. They're now at 16 with... USC and UCLA. I know uh, Oregon has had some uh, preliminary talks of joining the conference. I think that would be a, a solid addition, big brand. Uh, everyone's going to mention Notre Dame as a team to join the conference. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're pretty set on continuing their non-conference thing. That's kind of their deal. Yeah. Uh, I would almost be kind of shocked if they joined a conference. but um, And then... You got other teams. I I think we're going to continue to get teams from the back 12. I don't think any Big 12 teams or ACC teams are joining the conference, but okay. uh, it's definitely going to be uh, the next few years are going to be wild, wild west, I think. All
0: right. I got one last question for you, Tony. Uh, national championship game this year. Who do you have?
1: That's a great question. Um, I don't want to be boring and say. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like Ohio State. Um, I, I think their wide receivers are some of the best, like, ever. And they were last year, and they're going to continue to be this year. Uh, C.J. Stroud, very good quarterback. Um, and so I, I'd probably say Ohio State, Alabama, to be honest, and then uh, Georgia in the, in the playoff as well. And I'll throw uh, one team that I uh, – one card team that I think might make the playoff this year is – is uh, USC? I really like okay. uh, Lincoln Riley. Uh, I've always been a fan of him. Uh, I that the partnership with him and USC just makes sense to me. Uh, he's a very, I they run a very like dainty offense, if you, uh, for lack of a better term. But uh, I think they're going to kind of take a big step this forward this year before they join the Big Ten. Okay. Uh, twenty
0: twenty. Okay. Well, we'll see how how intelligent uh, you look in December, right? And uh yeah. <laughs> see how that goes. Tony Liebert, check out his stuff at Gopher Hole, Minnesota Daily News, and his podcast at Believe Network. Tony, thanks for joining the program.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark. It was it was great talking with you.
0: And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. A lot of good information there as you prepare to watch the Golden Gopher football team on September 1st. Uh, so we don't have to touch much on that. Let's turn to the other football team in town. That would be the Minnesota Vikings. As I'm putting the show together, it is waiver Day, cutting the roster to 53 members. Uh, the biggest news to no surprise probably to anybody is the idea that um, Nick Mullins will be your backup quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Vikings made that trade about a week ago, gave up only a seventh-round pick, no big deal. Um, Sean Mannion, Kellen Mann just didn't show that they would have what it takes if something were to happen to Kirk Cousins or if he had to miss a game even for illness or a minor injury, And, and so... Uh, Mullins, they, they clearly have some more interest in and and feel he's capable of doing that. And again, this is a little bit of a trend you know, with Mond being cut, uh, showing that we don't care what the previous regime did. Um, Jalen Twyman, Chaz Surratt, Janarius Robinson, all people drafted a year ago by the Vikings, uh, cut by the Vikings. And... Um, you know, they're, they're showing, we're going to put the best people, we're not going to stick with these guys just because they were drafted here. Uh, that's not how it's going to work. Of course, our new guys didn't draft them, so they don't feel any obligation to keep them around, and it's about trying to make something happen this year. And uh, and we'll see. Some of these guys could end up on the practice squad if they clear waivers. I'm really curious about Kellen Mond if that's going to happen. Uh, I would think that the Vikings would put him on their practice squad, um, you know, because again, there was an investment there by the organization uh, to do that. We'll have to just wait and see. Somebody else might say, "Hey, w- this is the guy we want um, on our team, on our as a backup or develop him or whatever." Um, there were some injury concerns too after the last preseason game. Uh, BC Johnson. Second straight year on the injured reserve, tore his ACL. Unfortunate, he's got some talent as a wide receiver. Luckily, the Vikings are are pretty deep right there. And then T.Y. McGill, we talked about last week. Uh, he had three and a half sacks in the preseason, uh, but he hurt his ankle. And <clears throat> they're not really sure just um, how serious that is, um, but they figured he wasn't necessarily going to be ready for uh, the start of the regular season and so putting him to ir really leads that they could still release him at some point um depending on what they want i guess if it's something that's going to be a long-term injury uh from his side of it it would be good to be on injured reserve he you know get some pay and everything else like that i assume uh he had really showed some good things it's going to be a difficult decision for the vikings but um you know the other one that uh, surprised me a little bit was cutting Jordan Barry as the punter, and I thought Barry had done a fine job last year. You know, punter's not somebody you pay a whole lot of attention to unless he's doing very poorly. And I didn't think Barry did poorly. By all accounts, he was good on the holds too for for the kicks. Um, but they're going with the rookie, and uh, again, that could change too. McConnell was kind of uh, uh, O'Connell, excuse me, was kind of like, well, it doesn't necessarily mean it's his job. Of course, we're just lucky we don't have the situation out in Buffalo where their drafted kicker um, has been accused of some pretty serious allegations and they cut him, the punt god. He could really boom those punts, but um, we'll have to see what happens out there in Buffalo too, an unfortunate situation. Your Minnesota Twins, uh, they sure know how to make a roller coaster happen, don't they? Uh, you You win four in a row, you sweep Kansas City, Um, You know, beat Texas, then you start losing against Texas, you get swept in Houston, it just was ugly again, and then here you go, um, again, as of this recording, on Tuesday, four games in a row uh, with a win, and you you say, oh, oh, okay, so we can go sweep the Giants, who were kind of on the fringe of the playoff ability, they probably weren't going to make it, but had an outside chance, and then beat the Boston Red Sox in their first matchup on Monday night. You know, a good game in which Dylan Bundy started and did a pretty nice job. You get some key hits at the right times. I've said this all year, and I've looked at the analytics and tried to understand all those advanced things where they say that Gio Urshela is not a very average player. I'll tell you what, Gio Urshela has had a lot of really big hits this year, you know, in clutch situations, some walk-offs, last night drove in the eventual game-winning runs. Uh, Gio Urshela to me is a solid baseball player that I want on my team. And I don't know what next year's going to bring. They have him under team contract next year. I'd take him on this team. I think we're really uncertain, you know, with Royce Lewis when he'll come back and will Kirloff be himself. And, and you got some flexibility. You know, you're not playing Urshela probably anywhere other than third base, but he can do some things. Uh, so many things are going to hinge on whether Carlos Correa is in a Twins uniform next year or not. So uh, by the time you are listening to this, they'll be in their third game against the Boston Red Sox. Again, a team that you can kind of help put them out of their misery a little bit, and you want to, because then you place, face another team that you'd really like to put uh, step on their, on their throw a little bit, the Chicago White Sox, beat the White Sox in Chicago, kind of push them out of the playoff race, And uh, because then, by the time we next meet, uh, we'll be in the midst of a four-game series in the dreaded Yankee Stadium, and we know how the Twins tend to do there. Um, So win these games. Win the games that you can, and uh, stranger things have happened, but we know how the Twins tend to do when they play the New York Yankees. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On August 31st in 1987, the Twins traded for Don Baylor from the Boston Red Sox. Baylor, of course, was instrumental down the home stretch and especially in the playoffs with helping the Twins win the World Series that year. Don Baylor, the all-time leader in Major League Baseball in getting hit by a pitch. In 1993, on August 31st, the Twins beat Cleveland 5-4 in 22 innings a Twins record, on a Pedro Munoz walk-off home run. Munoz was part of the 91 team that won the World Series as well. In 2013, on August 31st, the Twins traded Justin Morneau to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were in contention. The Twins were not. Morneau, of course, after that horrible concussion, uh, never was quite the same, and um, uh, it worked out uh, okay, I guess. It was unfortunate to watch. Justin, of course, he's back in the broadcast booth at times and does a fine job for the Twins. In 2016, on August 31st, the Twins lost to Cleveland 8-5, but Brian Dozier hit a home run, which marked his 24th extra base hit in a calendar month, and that set a franchise record. So 24 extra base hits in the month of August for Dozier that year uh, between doubles and home runs. I don't think he had any triples. Uh, Quite an accomplishment for Dozier. In 2019, on August 31st, the Twins hit six home runs in a 10-7 loss to Detroit. But they broke the Major League Baseball record at that time with 268 in a season. Of course, they would go on to hit over 300 home runs by the end of the season and hold the all-time record. On September 1st in 1972, Rod Carew stole home with the bases loaded in two outs in the 10th inning for a Twins walk-off, or perhaps run-off, win 5-4 over Cleveland. I can't imagine anybody trying that today. In 2017 on September 1st, Joe Nathan signed a one-day contract in order to retire as a twin. Nathan, one of the all-time great relievers in Twins history. In 2021, on September 1st, Joe Ryan made his pitching debut. He gave up three runs and five innings pitched in a 3-0 loss to the Cubs. On September 2nd, in 1958, Minneapolis approved $9 million to expand seating at Met Stadium. With the idea of attracting the Washington Senators here, which of course happened in 1961, um, they, were, they were very sure they could get the Senators here, needed to do a little bit of work, um, a small investment to make, and of course that didn't hurt when it came to getting the Minnesota Vikings here in 1961 either. On September 3rd in 2021, Jorge Polanco hit his 25th home run, moving him past Roy Smalley on the Twins' record list of home runs by a switch hitter in one season. The, uh, the Twins lost to Tampa Bay for that game 5-3. to three. On September 4th in 2010, Greg Gagne was inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame and the Twins beat Texas 12-4. Gagne played on both World Series championship teams. Very, very good shortstop. On September 5th in 2010, as part of their 50-year anniversary celebration, the Twins had a Legends game before their actual game, which included Ken Herbeck taking a divot out of target field when he dove for a ball. Can't get that out of his system at all. The Twins went on to beat Texas 6-5. to five. It was a strange game. There was a coach's interference call that cut off the tying run with two outs in the ninth inning. As the runner was coming around third, he bumped into the third base coach for the Rangers, um, and they called him out, which is the correct call. The coach can't touch the player in any way. And uh, he was out. That was a third out. He was going to score. He was going to score, um, and that was the third out of the ninth inning and the Twins won. It's interesting because... My family was at that game. Uh, it was it was fantastic. It was my birthday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, my parents were there. My sister was there. My grandma was there. The first time she got to go to a Twins game, and, and she loved the Twins. Um, and it was a Sunday game, and the, uh, the kids could go out in the field after the game. So before the ninth inning started, we went, because it was close to where we were sitting, to get in line. There's already a long line. as soon as the game was done that you could go down the kids could run the bases and all that stuff so the twins had been up six to two going into the ninth and we figured oh well we got this in the bag uh and we are down underneath the bowels of the stadium and when that play happened it was shaking the whole stadium was shaking down there it was kind of scary uh no idea what had happened found out afterwards but a, a pretty exciting game a lot of fun to be at in september on september 6th in 1995 this is not Minnesota-related, but it's worth mentioning. Cal Ripken Jr. broke Lou Gehrig's record by playing in his 2,131st game in a row. If you're like me and you were watching that game, it was in Baltimore, which was awesome. Uh, It was so much fun. He took a a lap around the field, shaking hands, waving at everybody Um, once it became an official game. I will tell you this much. If I was betting money on any record that will never be broken, in professional sports, that's the one. Never again will somebody play in that many consecutive games. Not the way the game is played today. And on September 6th in 2002, the Twins ended the Oakland A's 20-game winning streak with a 6-0 win at the Dome behind Brad Radke's complete game. He threw 113 pitches in the win for the Twins. This week in Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva Sports for our local listeners. On September 1st, Cross Country is at Stewartville, and football kicks off their season at Kenyon-Wanamingo. On September 6th, which is also the first day of school here, Cross Country is at Hayfield, and Volleyball is at Grenada against the Grenada-Huntley-East-Chain-Truman-Martin-Luther-Jaguars. Home Games will be following later that week. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about the streaming we do on the NFHS network as well. Well, that'll do it for another helping of waffles. Here at 365sportscast.com, I'm glad you decided to tune in. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you'll come back each Wednesday at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. If you can't catch the original broadcast, each week's episode replays every evening at that same time at 365sportscast.com. Shows also archived to YouTube and Spotify. You can check out past shows and some of the great guests we've had on here. Uh, remember if you're interested in In uh, sponsoring a program, if you have some feedback at all, think you might make a good guest. Email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com. Message me on Twitter at MrD1973. We'll be back next week with another look at the world of Minnesota sports. We'll reflect on the Gophers' first game. Look forward to their second one. We'll see if the Twins can make any movement at all. And we will have a special preview of the Vikings and the upcoming NFL season. Come on back. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.